Jerry, I kind of dismissed you last week, put my hands up now, and I'm not saying I'm infallible the way Owen used to say it. Apology accepted. And I was like, there's no fear here. No. Things don't fear Dublin anymore. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Off the ball, daily. Now you're very welcome along. So we're going to turn to GA. Tom English is with us talking rugby later on. But Mayo are top of Division 1. Their march towards Sam continues apace. Top Division 1, eight points to Roscommon's uh, six points in the table. There were big wins for Galway and Tyrone as well against Monaghan and Kerry respectively. And that means Donegal are bottom alone on three points. As for Division 2, Derry are five for five. They had that last minute winner against the Dubs. Limerick got off the mark in Division 2 as well. A draw against Meath. They are still Limerick bottom on one point. Kildare, though, along for the ride on two points each. So it's Limerick a point, Kildare and Clare both on two points. Kildare, the only side in the four divisions without a goal scored this entire league campaign. They were beaten by Louth in RD. They'll play Meath next with the uh, Talshan Cup hanging over the horizon. Very happy to say, Colin Boyle, four-time All-Star with Mayo, joins us. Evening. Joe, how are you? I, I think I mentioned, or I heard you say Mayo's match for Sam there. I think it's a bit early for that, but certainly a uh, match to a league final, possibly. I meant to I say, say, I meant to say inevitable march towards Sam. <laughs> part I got wrong. Uh, so let's look at, at some of the games. Obviously, we can't look at all of them. I suspect a lot of people on Saturday night sat down to watch Derry Dublin in Division 2. It finished Derry 111, Dublin 13 points. Derry five points down at half time. Rory Gallagher in his post-match assessment said we were a bit standoffish in the first half and then well frankly they weren't in the second and Dublin love a bit of standoffishness now they are they are uh, very at home dealing with that challenge but the in their face challenge they did not deal with no they didn't Joe and I'd say the Dublin players and Jesse Farrell in particular I'd say their their talks during the week would have all would have been based around the, the intensity that they were going to be facing right from the off against Derry the crowd a full house in, in Celtic Park. I don't know when's the last time that's happened, especially for a league game. And they would have talked about managing their way through that first 15, 20 minutes in particular. But I, I don't think even they would have predicted how passive Derry were. And standoffish is the term Rory Gallagher used, and he's 100% right. They basically just sat inside the 45 and, and walked about and let Dublin play the ball. And if, if there's one thing we know, or look, we know this for the last couple of years, but we saw it again last Saturday night, if Dublin are really, really good in that situation, probably still the best team in the country at moving a, a defence around, holding on to the ball, getting their players in the right position. I think what they did really well, even though Derry had their, what, 14 bodies inside their 45, they moved them about really well. Dublin still made that area as big as possible as they could. They held a lot of width in it. They used a lot of decoy runners, which were just pulling Derry players back towards their own 21 line. And Dublin eventually were getting the shot off. And and, and a lot of the time, it lets the score. OK, if they only got seven of them, but they did look like they were in cruise control. I have to say, though, I think the halftime score, although they were in control, did flatter them. Like Derry definitely left 1-4. You'd have to say that scores behind them. Definitely the points were, were ones really top class in the county team should be taken. So that's something they'll be looking at further down the line. But second half, they were a completely different team. And even, I would say, the last 25 minutes, the first 10 minutes of the second half was pretty much the same. They were still the standoffish. But I think the goal just lit a fire in, in Celtic Park and basically they took off from there. We'll bring in Desi Farrell at this point. So he was speaking after the game and he cited Derry being fitter than Dublin. Just have a listen. 
Yeah, obviously disappointed with the result in the end. Um, the, uh, we played very well in the first half. Uh, very, very pleased with that. Um, you know, they play very defensive, and we, we managed to, to pick it apart in a very controlled fashion. You know, so so in a comfortable place at halftime, we knew they'd come at us and come on strong. And uh, you know, we just turned over too much ball in that in that second and half. And uh, some of them were very costly, um, resulting in scores for Derry. And and they seem to overpower us at the end. Uh, they're very well conditioned, very fit, and great credit to them. You know, so. Uh, uh, but you know, while it's very disappointing, we're still happy with the progress made. Got a, got more minutes and game time into some of our older crew that are working their way back to, to full fitness, and uh, that game will bring them on for sure. So I think to be fair to Farrell, you have to really take that at face value that our older guys in particular aren't as conditioned as they will be. Uh, but to bring in Paddy Andrews for instance on the football pod uh, he talks here about what he sees as really no evolution no variation no improvement in how Dublin are attacking teams over the last number of years here's Paddy on the football pod the issue that Dublin have four or five years ago a lot of teams would have played that defensive style the best teams aren't playing that way anymore it's, it's more chaotic it's more you look at Kerry obviously winning the All-Ireland last year Galway it's, the games are more front foot based. Teams aren't afraid. Teams aren't sitting back as much. And having just that style of play is not going to be enough to win the biggest games. And at the first half, you could see it. And if Derry carried on with that, Dublin would have won by 10 points. You could see it. So it was really good from Dublin because it was the style of the game allowed them to play that way. But once there was chaos brought into this game in the second half, once Derry kind of abandoned that, Dublin didn't adapt. And that is an issue Dublin have faced over the last couple of years. That's the reality of it. And that is the worrying part here for Dublin. Like the Derry approach in the first half, I remember being at the All-Ireland Final in 2018 when Tyrone, two sweepers in the D, the Viper's Nest, come in if you dare. Dublin almost, like with their body language, they were almost laughing at this kind of a challenge. Like that was, we'll never see it again. Put a tombstone on that defensive uh, tactic. It's too easy for Dublin. And so Derry did it. They were duly picked apart. But that's almost uh, muscle memory for Dublin. What Paddy Andrews says there is very worrying. If that is the case, there is no evolution under Desi Farrell. I definitely think he has a point. If you if, if you look at Paddy and especially the teams he played in, the, the things that they brought in in their foreplay in Gaelic football, especially from about, probably about 15, 16, 17, 18, them, them kind of years, it was kind of foreplay that we'd never seen before and we were trying to study that and learn as defenders of what exactly they were doing. Like they brought in the very simple, you know, loop and shoot, if if you want to call it in basic terms, and screening the defender, bringing in that basketball screen. So the player come in, pop it off to the to Bernard Brogan coming on the loop and he, he would then take out the man that's coming to, to block the ball. And they were doing that for years and years, but they developed that on the into to showing in front and then getting the ball popped over the top like Conor Callan has done so many times over the years Bernard Brogan and opening up defences that way but it still seems I think Paddy is a great point it still seems that is their main source of scores or the main thing of what they're trying to do and it just feels like teams have copped on to that now they know how to defend an awful lot better they're expecting it from Dublin and it just feels like they need to add a bit more variety to their attack and even something simple. And I listened to the podcast earlier on with James and Paddy. They're not kicking the ball enough for me. They're not taking enough risks on the ball. It's it's, it's almost a safety first option with Dublin. They're almost looking to go back to the way they were 
where there, a few years ago where they were able to generate the perfect shot from the top of the D. It was almost always a 9 out of 10 shot, but they had probably the players to do it at that stage. Now I think they just play, teams know how to defend against that an awful lot better. So the variety that Paddy's talking about there, you know, even just trying a couple of players different inside, maybe putting a bigger player inside or feeding off them or whatever it is, but they definitely need to be getting the ball to Colin, Colin Pellin an awful lot in the, earlier in the attack for me. I think it's just, it's too slow and it's too almost predictable from Dublin mm. at the minute. Mm. How good are Derry? Hard to know, Joe. Look, at it, it, it's very hard to know. If you if you want to look at it from a negative point of way, they still, they'd only won four kicked after 50 minutes or so against Dublin. Um, Dublin might have left them in the game. I think when you, if you're Dublin looking back at that game and you're thinking Tom LaHiff's goal chance right at the start of the second half, I know Kirk Kinney's was the most obvious one towards the end of the game, but if, if LaHiff goes for goal there and scores it, he puts eight between them right at the start of the second half. So we could be having a, a very different conversation here if he, if he if he puts that away, you know. But that, look at Derry. What I really liked about Derry is how they just chased the game. They just threw, threw abandonment at it. McGinnis, I thought, was superb when he came on. Rogers was like a man possessed for the last 15, 20 minutes. And they just injected that pace into the into the Derry tackle, what, which wasn't there for the previous 45, 50 minutes of the game. And that energy that I talked about just came from the goal. They created an energy and the place suddenly just just took off. And the, the two Doherty's were, were excellent in that. I really liked the look of Larkin Murray when he came on. I thought he... He, he was something different. He was looking to take on the Dublin defenders every time he got the ball. He got a great score as well. But look at the way Derry played that game, you know, their defensive game and their, their counter-attacking game. Look, they, generally, they don't attack at huge pace. I think if they're going to go deep into the championship further on the year, they're going to have to get more scores like they did towards the end of the game mm. um, on Saturday evening because if you go back to last year and what got them to a semi-final, they were very structured in their attacks. So they'd they'd win the ball back, back in their defence and they'd almost let their whole team just get up to a set, structured forward positions up front and then they'd look to go attack the opposition. I think teams have, will figure that out definitely down the ladder in the, of, the, of the championship. But yeah, how good are they? We won't know. I think what's, what would be really fascinating the Division 2 final in, in a couple of weeks' time, you're thinking it's going to be Dublin and Derry again. Yeah. I think maybe after that, especially a game in Crow Park, um, we might know a bit more about where Derry and probably Dublin are at, to be honest. I think you have to, again, take Desi Farrell's word that they're not as fit as they would like to be. And so mm. it's hard to know how to read too much, how much to read into certain efforts to get back or certain efforts to close off a passing channel or to get a hand mm. in. You know, those small micro moments that happen a million times a game but dictate the outcome. Mm. Uh, Dublin aren't quite doing that at the moment. They they haven't come out here in a, in a tight game. Within that, much has been made of Kieran Kilkenny not giving the ball to Costello. Mm. Would you read anything into that? Does that speak of something or just a, a moment in time? I, th- I think generally a moment in time because I think normally if there's one player in that position you want, it's Kilkenny because he's, he's such good uh, vision and the, and he knows what's on. Maybe he knew Costello was there, but he just felt we just need to get a score here to, to not just in front and, and we see the game out. But what happened after that then, I think what Dublin would be really, really disappointed. But I think in the scenarios, you'd be looking for Dublin. And I mentioned his goal chance earlier on. Dublin, maybe a couple of years ago, because they were so good, yeah. when they were in the positions, they could afford to put the ball over the bar because the next goal chance was going to come maybe a couple of minutes later. But now you'd be thinking they might only get one, two a game max, certainly the way they're playing, because they're not 
creating a huge amount of goal opportunities, I would say. So they're going to have to go for the juggler. But Uncle Kenny's one, no, I wouldn't be hugely concerned. I think the fitness one is a is an interesting one and it kind of breaks down into a couple of areas. I don't think they have the same physical capacity throughout that team as they have had. I think that's one issue that Dublin will face in both this year and, and maybe the coming years too. Mm. Obviously, their bench was a huge factor, but if any 1-15 that Dublin started over the last number of years, the, the aerobic capacity of them boys was just sensational. It's absolutely sensational. And that's without, the, obviously, that the ammunition they had coming off the bench. So I think even on, never mind the football and ability, I think the sheer athletic ability, I don't think that's physically there anymore mm. or possibly at, at the level it, w- it would be so look at that something to keep an eye on certainly going forward Tyrone one fifteen, Kerry 2-9 Tyrone went behind early in this game there was a Sean O'Shea goal O'Shea being quite a few uh, one of a few big names back David Clifford was back Paulie Clifford back all starting um, and Tyrone stuck at it and, and kept sticking at it and won the game in the end by three points uh, comfortably as Kerry were pushing for an equaliser Tyrone uh, picked them off and I suppose if anyone didn't see the game but they want to have a sense of where Tyrone were then just picture David Clifford surrounded by 200 Tyrone jerseys hits the deck and then as I was, I was saying the news round Roy Keane to Alfie Ingehalen style someone leans down and gives it to him in the face and you kind of thought to yourself love them or hate them Tyrone were back at it yeah, it's it, it's hard to know. Is it the is it Broner actually back, or is it just the sight of a Kerry jersey coming to home that gets them going? And I suppose that's the thing we're going to be looking at going forward. But yeah, look at that 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 time they turned Clifford over. Now I think it was a free in. To be honest with you, um, that makes it all the sweeter. That makes it all it, the sweeter. It does. Yeah, it does. And they let Clifford know after exactly what they thought. But maybe just maybe the Toronto players have had enough of the way they've been playing over the last 12, 13 months of the all the criticism they're getting, um, the performances. Maybe they had a blowout after after last Saturday night in Castle Bar because, to me, it was just one of the worst, if not the worst, throwing performance I've ever seen. Like The the sheer sight of throwing players actually getting out of the way of mayor players coming through on goal was was something I'd just never seen before. It was the complete opposite in, in, in Oma yesterday. You know, granted, they had that tough start when Sean O'Shea puts that ball in the back of the net after after a couple of minutes, you're thinking, Jesus, here we go again. This could be this could be a, a walkover for Kerry. But look, they, they got a bit of luck with the Shane Ryan mistake that led to the goal, but the energy that flowed from that. And first, I don't think anyone showed as much energy or leadership yesterday as Matty Donnelly. I thought he was absolutely superb. He mm. led them out in in from start to front or from front to back really. And you know, the the interesting thing now for Tyrone, is this a once off? Because look, they've a really good record against Kerry. I think they've beaten them four times in the last four years between championship and league. You know, is this the start of something for them now? Huge game against Kilmarnock in two weeks' time. That's you know that's going to be a fascinating one. That could be the the game of the or the the game of the round of, of games really when you look at it because there's so much at stake there. So we might know a bit more about Tyrone after that. But yeah. you know, it was great to see them you know showing a bit of intensity and a bit of you know what you'd expect from Tyrone. And I know I was, we were chatting earlier on. I was chatting. I don't think I've seen as many fist pumps in a, in a Gaelic football game. But that's just where they were at yesterday. They were they were yeah. up for it. 
But again, was it just because it was Kerry or is there something more to this? That's that's what we're going to see down the line. Oh, yeah, no, the, the fist pumping was there. I mean, it was uh, Munster Hurling cha- Championship because <laughs> of fist pumping. You know, there's no higher accolade. Uh, great variety to their attack, though. And it will probably come on to Donegal in a minute. They refuse to kick the ball into their forwards. Mm. Tyrone can go short, can go long. They do mix it up. So let's 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 yeah. kind of park that as very promising. And they, more than most teams, can come out of nowhere, win in All-Ireland like they did two mm. years ago. Kerry started brilliantly the O'Shea goal uh, and to be fair the Paul Murphy goal was a really good one you take that away and you're talking nine points in 78 80 minutes of football for Kerry yeah you are um, look Kerry aren't aren't going well at the minute I don't, I don't think that's that's any secret even the week before against Armagh you know they really had to dig out a victory in home ground in, in, in Tralee so I think Jack O'Connor just can't wait for this league to end, to be honest. I think he just wants to get his win. I think they'll get that win against Roscommon in their next game and they'll really go to work then on, on, on different on different areas of the pitch. Look, they need a couple of players back, I think. I think Greeno Begla and, and and Gavin White are two huge misses at the back. Yeah. I, I, I think they look a bit all over the place there at the minute and up front, they're certainly not firing at all sinners at the minute, which probably to be expected. Like the Cliffords are just back in the squad. Sean O'Shea is just back from injury as well so it's going to take a bit of time and it's going to be you know over, only over the next couple of months before we can really judge where Kerry at it's going to take a bit of time but just have a feeling that when they need to be right they're they're going to be right Yes I dare say it will be the last time this season David Clifford's held to a single point from yeah. play somehow uh, The issue of diving has been talked about over mm. the weekend as well uh, Connor Cox has had the finger pointed at him the Sean Kelly one the Galway captain against Monaghan like, in some way it jumped out because Sean Kelly after that Armagh Galway tussle last year like behaved with such decorum when he was sent off you know he, like it was touch a class on his part when he was picked out of everyone and you're sent off and uh, he took it very well and just goes about his business in a really nice way like that one was doing the rounds on, on social media for sure because you know a hand is brushed against him his chest and like he goes down as if Sudan has headbutted him to the solar plexus and like the Monaghan player is kind of like a bit like oh what is this what we're doing and he almost kneels down to him as if to say come on you're going to get me sent off kind of thing Um, like I suspect Kelly looks at that and has his hands in his head but in the moment you're doing what you can to win and I get that as well I wonder will Porig Joy say anything to him is that asking too much of coaches to take a lead on this yeah, funnily, I was listening to Auntie Moyes this morning with Nathan and Shane talk about exactly about this topic. And he said that if he was a coach, he would he would take the player off in a scenario like that. Obviously, it's very easy to say when you're when you're not physically the manager of the team and, yeah. and it doesn't happen. But would, and did he say would he do that like in an All Ireland final if he was a point up? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that, and look, that's exactly what we're talking about. But Joe, funnily, I was thinking about this earlier on about. I was the last time I was on with you a couple of weeks, Joe. It was, it was the day after the Sean Powder incident, and we, we briefly spoke about that. But like, where all has this started in the GA? Like, there was a famous one, so Manny, a couple of years ago, wasn't there? You know, Manny, I'm not sure of the year, maybe 08, 09 against Cork in the, in the All Ireland final. And then Tierney McCann, I'm not sure it was a 14 or 15. It yeah. really blew up after that because I think social media was only really getting going at that stage, and he took huge criticism. But it just seems now it's nearly happening every week or every second week and the only good thing to come out of them two instances yesterday is that neither Cox or Kelly were successful in getting their players their opposition players sent off which was um, which was exactly what they were trying to do but you know I, I spoke about this when I was on a few weeks ago Joe it, it is it's it's pathetic really it's um, 
there's a number of things I'd look at there. It's the player, obviously, itself, what they're trying to do. They're trying to get the player sent off. But I, I'd look at officials and, like, the Connor Cox one yesterday, it's right in front of the umpires, you know, how they're not, how they can't see that he, he he's just throwing himself to the ground there, that there's barely any contact on him, and how they're not passing on that, that information to the referee, because it is a yellow card offence. But I certainly think we need to go stronger, and I think there needs to be, if it's not dealt with at the time, or even if it is dealt with at the time, retrospective action be brought in and it's an automatic game or two game ban like if, if Powder gets a two game ban in the first game or that Cork Dublin game I don't think them two incidents happen yesterday I think it's simple as that because mm-hmm. the sheer embarrassment or whatever it is or the, the the example that's set from that it takes away all the nonsense out of it and you, I don't think you'd see it for the rest of the year so I think that's how strong we need to go on it um, I, I, I somehow just don't think the GA will do that Probably not, Joe, but look, what what are we going to be looking at for the rest of the year? Lads throwing themselves on the ground and, and, and rolling around like like Bruno Fernandes yesterday after after getting brushed across the chest and he's holding his face. Like this is the what we're this is now what we're comparing the Sean Kelly and the and the Connor Cox incident. They're ex- the exact same thing. They're yeah. they're not pretty to watch and you know, look at it has been going on a good while, but I think more and more now like when are we ever talking about two or three incidents happening on the one weekend of it and that just shows how much this is escalating you know yeah it's definitely starting to creep into the culture and do you find seeing as we mentioned it earlier do you find the scream into Clifford's face as objectionable or do you think ah no that's okay no, I, I don't like that either. And there'll be people probably saying as a defender that, that I did it to them or whatever. But Yeah, I actually text in 53106 if any <laughs> inter-county forwards want to let us know. I, to be honest, you, I wasn't much of a talker at all. So I, I, I wouldn't have been screaming in people's faces or anything like that. But it is, it's it's again, it's not a certain element. And I just wonder if if, if, if there is a case like that, you know, what can you do? Can you, can you hop the ball in and, and just, you know... I can set an example that way, but look at it, it's it's not pretty to watch either way, especially to a player like Clifford, or whoever the player is, but certainly a player like Clifford, you you don't want that happening either. I know you watch Roscommon two eleven, Mayo one sixteen. Mm. Uh Roscommon very poor in the first twenty minutes in particular, a lot of turnovers overrun at midfield, and Mayo were, as Kevin McStay said a few times, uh well ahead and then he, he wondered if they were resting on their laurels or what happened. He said he was going to review the tape, but this became much more uh, a close run thing than it should have been and there was a last minute uh, chance for Roscommon to score a goal and, and equalise. In the end, they didn't, so uh, Mayo win uh, in the end. There, this has been talked about like a, a, as shadow boxing, a lot of changes made pre-game. You have the likes of Ryan O'Donoghue on the bench. They could potentially meet each other three times in five weeks, mm-hmm. so... If you were in that Mayo side now, do you suspect you would be holding tactics back for uh, the championship? It's very hard to know. Like there were changes made in both teams yesterday. I think yeah. Mayo made five, and and, and Roscommon made three later on. Um, Connor Cox and, and Kieran Murcher didn't start for them, but it'll be very interesting to see how Mayo play out these last two games. I think in particular because they're on eight points now. You know, Johnny Gollum on and to come. I, I think they're going to be in a league final, and that's it. I don't, I don't think there's any way out of that. If they do, if, if if they wanted a way out, I think they're going to be in it, and that's it. So, what will be interesting to me in two weeks' time going to going to Ballygoffey and Johnny God does Kevin McStay play what he thinks is going to be starting team in the championship against Roscommon and trying to inter, inter integrate Tommy Conroy, Killian O'Connor, Aidan O'Shea, and Ryan O'Doo all together. Or is it okay? Or we've obviously James Kerr as well, who's playing really well. Yeah. 
or does he try and really mix it up again just like he did last Sunday and see kind of four or five changes again to his team and, and given lads game time it's a good position to be in from a Mayo point of view it's um, because the pressure is off with regards to relegation which a lot of teams are facing but you know the threat of, or the threat the possibility of a Mayo Roscommon league final might look as high after yesterday now, um, especially Roscommon is still carried to play. So it's going to be interesting. I think Mayo will be there. Who they're playing after that, I don't know. And then how seriously league final is taken, if they get there again, is going to be another another issue they're going to face when it comes to it. But uh, interesting couple of weeks, I think, as a, as a Mayo supporter. I think you mentioned it there. I think a lot of positives with Mayo yesterday, I think, they shouldn't have been hanging on at the end. And I think that'll be just niggling at Kevin McStay's small bit today, you know, because the same thing happened against Armagh a couple of weeks earlier. Seven up, you know, granted there was more to play this time, there was 20 minutes to go and they concede a really soft goal against for from their own kick out into Smith, picks the ball up and, and runs through unmarked. And it just lets Ross Common back into the game. And then when you think Mayo have kind of stemmed the tide and they've They've gotten through the, the sticky patch. They can see another goal to Connor Cox and, and they're hanging on at the end and it takes that Jeremy O'Connor block. So I think as as Kevin McSay will be happy with the game time he got into the likes of Tommy Conroy, Killian O'Connor and Paddy Jerkin, but he'd be disappointed to be hanging on in a game really that they should have been they should have been pulling up towards the finish. Yeah. Just a last one. Donegal mm. are bottom of the table in division one, three points after five games, even on the uh League Sunday highlights last night, Kieran Whelan showed that it was 33 minutes before a ball was given into the full forward line. Like they were keeping three yeah. men up. But uh, it's a lonely place in that Donegal full forward line. Is, is, is that the main issue with them? Oh, it's a big issue, Joe. Like they just, there's, they, I talked about Dublin not taking enough risks earlier on, but this is completely different. Uh, this is on a completely different level. They are so safe on the ball and I would say so easy to defend against. Like, None of the Donegal defenders, their back six or their midfielders, generally look up to play the ball forward when they get on it. It's usually a solo, solo, move the ball sideways, backways. They have this thing where they hold their wing forwards really, really wide, Joe, and a player in the middle of the pitch will actually get that ball and carry it right across to them. Right. Snail's and pace. He could in, yeah, he makes space. He could in field, and generally the ball ends up on the other side of the pitch, and they'll keep rotating, rotating until eventually they get, they get the shot away. But it must be so, so frustrating to play inside if you're an Ocean Gal in there or Jamie Vernon last last Saturday night because the ball just physically doesn't be kicked in. But from if I was playing against Donny Gall, I think I think I'm not saying they'd find it easy, but you just know what's coming. Yes. They're, they're very, very predictable. And there's no okay, they took they threw Hugh McFadden in there in the second half, and in fairness, they kicked one or two balls in. And it was something different. Is that sustainable going forward? I don't think Hugh McFan is going to make a full forward anytime soon, but at least they were trying something different. But you'd wonder what Donegal do we do we doing in training or what they actually physically work on in training because it just looks like there's no set plan or no set structure about moving the ball quickly. They're they're far too slow on the ball. And you'd you'd have to say, look, I think they'll get relegated unless they can they can pull off two two big victories in the last two games. But even into the championship, I think they just need to to um to add something different into their game because at the minute they're they're really up to nothing they're 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 far too easy to play against I would say. Table reflects that we are out of time. Thank you so much. 
Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Colin Boyle with us this evening, looking back on the uh, weekend that was in so much as we could. Gaelic football and off the ball in partnership with AIB. Proud sponsors of the Football Hurling and Camogie All-Ireland Club Championships. Check out hashtag the toughest for more. And we did mention the football pod with uh, Paddy Andrews and James O'Donoghue with Tommy Rooney. Just search the football pod and you'll find that wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, you can download the OTB app as well, but it's right across uh, all the podcast uh, platform so the football pod and you'll find it there for uh, more analysis on the GEA Jerry, I kind of dismissed you last week put my hands up now and I'm not saying I'm infallible the way Owen used to say it apology accepted and I was like there's no fear here no teams don't fear Dublin anymore subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts